Welcome to This is Type 1, real life type 1 diabetes with your hosts, Colleen and Jesse. I'm Colleen Mitchell, and I've had type 1 diabetes for over 24 years. By day, I'm a process analyst in the power industry, and by night, I'm a writer, podcast host, and accountability coach. I'm passionate about type 1 diabetes education and showing others that this disease doesn't define me. I'm Jesse Tuggy, and I've had type 1 diabetes for about eight years now. I love hiking and painting, and I'm looking forward to working as an engineer after college. My diagnosis has inspired me to take control of my future and learn everything I can about it. Each week on the show, we'll talk about real life with type 1 diabetes, bring on cool people with connections to type 1, and above all, encourage you to understand that this disease doesn't have to hold you back. This isn't medical advice. This is life with type 1. Welcome to episode 45 of This is Type 1, real life type 1 diabetes with your hosts, Colleen and Jesse. Today we're going over how to be a safe type 1 diabetic when you're swimming, both in cool water and in hot tubs and jacuzzis. A quick reminder for everyone, if you have any questions about type 1 diabetes, please leave us a comment or send an email to colleen at inspiredforward.com. We answer listener questions in future episodes. Jesse, you have the win of the week. Yes, I do. For this week's win is actually not a diabetic win, but more of a life win. And so I started running again. I started doing two miles every day for about six days a week, just kind of easing into things. So with everything going on, I just decided to take a break, you know, with COVID and the Black Lives Matter movement going on right now. I decided to kind of take a break for a little while, but now I'm back on it and right in time for hopefully next year's cross country and track season. So hopefully I'll compete competitively this next year. Awesome. Do you guys know if you're going actually going back to school in September? That's the big question right now. So we got a survey sent out by the school district that says what would like what are some things we could improve on to make social distance learning better and more cooperative and like what are some things that you're missing and they really overdramatified the answers so I really don't think that we're going back anytime soon, which is unfortunate to say because I am looking forward to my senior year just a tad, you know, having prom, having a senior football season. So I honestly don't think so, but I'm going to just kind of hope for the best and, you know, put out some good energy. Maybe, hopefully they'll find a cure. So that's my way of thinking right now. I think we're, we're stuck with COVID for Probably forever, but I think we'll finally eventually get to the point where it's just a thing you get. All right, so I have the fail this week, and my fail is that I had a compression low the other night that I didn't catch, but Tim did, and Tim is my husband. So he came in, and he woke me up without any hesitation to ask that I check my blood sugar on the meter, just in case, because my pump read 46 with double arrows down, but my meter actually said 117. So I decided not to calibrate because doing that would mess up the algorithm. On tandem pumps, if it has any arrows going straight down or straight up, then you should not be calibrating it because that will mess up the algorithm, but it can be a straight flat line going horizontal or angled, and that's when you can calibrate. But after I rolled onto my other side, it just self-corrected, so that was nice. And then when I woke up to my alarm, my blood sugar was 101 and flat, so it was perfect. Compression lows are super annoying, and I'm still not even sure why they happen, but I really hope that's something they fix when they release the G7 sensor, which is supposed to come out sometime next year, probably in September or fall of next year. Jesse, you have the hack this week too. All right. So this week's hack also relates to this week's episode. 
and the fact that it goes along with swimming and being out in the water for longer periods of time. So if you know that you're going to a summer camp, like Colleen and I do almost every year, except for this year, unfortunately, you usually do a lot of swimming in like lakes, pools, sometimes hot tubs, depending on what type of summer camp you're going to, or if you're on a swim team or polo team or anything like that. Or if you live in an apartment complex that has a hot tub. You guys have a hot tub? No, not, not here, but when we lived in Eastern Washington, we lived in an apartment complex that had a hot tub and it was awesome just to go down there and so. Nice. Well, no matter what, if you're going to be like around bodies of water that you know you're going to be in for a couple of days, bring extra patches and neos with you just in case because the water really, really does a lot of damage to your patches and the adhesives on the patches. Just because it kind of breaks down the adhesive and the tack from your skin to the cotton padding. But be extra careful when you're doing this around jacuzzis or hot tubs or swimming pools because usually they'll add extra chemicals like the chlorine, which helps to break down the adhesive even quicker than a lake, a river, or even the ocean sometimes. So make sure you throw in an extra Mia with your towels. And uh, Mio just means a set. So I, I have um, T-Lock sets. So it just depends on the brand that you go with. So Jesse uses Mio. I use T-Lock. We're just talking about infusion sites. So let's dive in. First off, we're going to talk about why it's important to be careful in the water. Water safety is a big deal, especially in the summer. It's easy to get caught up in water activities, especially when you're out with your friends. But please remember that your diabetes comes first, regardless of where you are, what you're doing, or who you're with. Swimming is exercise when it comes down to it. Depending on your blood sugar, your insulin on board, when, what, and how much you last ate, how your body reacts, and all sorts of other factors, you could go high or low with exercise. Your approach to staying safe in the water will really depend on how you manage your diabetes. Most insulin pumps are not waterproof, let alone water resistant. And as far as I know, the only pump you can swim with is the Omnipod because it's tubeless. The same goes for your CGM receiver. The sensors themselves are okay to submerge, but not for extended submersion in hot tubs especially. I have to unhook my pump and leave it on the shore or the poolside if I want to go for a swim. And that also puts me at risk for not knowing what my blood sugar is because the pump is the receiver. Above all, the key to staying safe when swimming with diabetes is to stay on top of your blood sugar and keep your diabetes in mind. So heat and diabetes, specifically hot tubs and jacuzzis. In episode 38, we talked about the effect of environmental factors on diabetes, and heat is one of those factors. Type 1 diabetics should be especially cognizant when going into a hot tub, jacuzzi, or hot springs because the water temperature can lower the blood sugar. Additionally, if you submerge your sensor beneath the hot water, it can really mess with the readings. Whenever I got into the hot tub at our last apartment complex, I had to be really careful to keep my arm with the sensor out of the water, or else it would send false high readings to my receiver. That was fun. Heat opens up the blood vessels, which increases insulin efficiency and can cause blood sugar to drop, especially if you're hydrated properly. It's why you can experience a low blood sugar while in the shower, especially if you were dropping beforehand or you have insulin on board. Also, these tips do apply to showers as well. I just want to point that out, showers and baths, just because, again, it's a body of water and water acts differently with diabetes too. Yeah, you could take a nice hot bath. It doesn't have to be a hot tub or jacuzzi and still experience low blood sugar. It's a good point. As for open water swimming, like oceans or lakes or rivers, 
The last time I went open water swimming was uh, snorkeling on my honeymoon. We got waterproof pouches to keep our valuables in while we snorkeled, but my old Medtronic insulin pump wouldn't fit in with everything else. And everything else was my phone, my money, my IDs, and the CGM receiver. Because at that point, I didn't have the tandem pump, which acted as my receiver. So we kind of hid the pump in the rest of our stuff on the shore. And then I swam without the pump. It wouldn't have been attached anyway, because yeah, that wouldn't have been good. But I was able to keep an eye on my blood sugar, kind of, with the receiver still in the waterproof pouch. Open water swimming should always be done with a buddy. Keep an open line of communication and tell your partner if you're feeling off or if you need to go back to shore to check your blood sugar. Just don't be afraid to turn back or take breaks. It's important to pay attention to how you're feeling when you're open water swimming. If you suddenly have a rush of fatigue, it's past time to get back to shore, as that could be your body reacting to a low blood sugar. Diabetics also experience awareness lows, meaning that once the thought crosses the mind that I'm low, or we see a low blood sugar on the meter or the CGM receiver, we feel low despite having not felt low before. Doris Hobbs, our guest for episode 40, talked about this experience when she was mopping the floor and decided to check her blood sugar halfway through, only to find her number in the 40s. She didn't feel low until she saw that number. Jess, do you want to talk a little bit about your experience surfing last summer? Yeah. So basically, surfing is a very high-intensity sport. And I say sport because it is definitely a sport. So with surfing, you're in the ocean. You're definitely not too hyper aware of your blood sugars. And I didn't really realize this, seeing that it was my first time surfing. I was in a wetsuit, so my body was really compressed in on itself, but at the same time, I was still exercising, and all of a sudden, I remember seeing sea lions coming up over the waves a little bit, and that was pretty cool, and then about 30 seconds later, I was just like, wow, I'm exhausted, and I felt super, like, heavy all of a sudden, so the next wave that I could catch, you know, riding into the waves, I didn't actually stand up because I thought that would be dangerous at the time a little bit. So the next wave that I caught, I went up to my dad. I was like, hey, I need a test really fast. And luckily we had everything I needed in this little like fanny pack that I carry with me to the beaches. And we had everything I needed. So I tested, I put my pump on and I was like 80s, something like that. But I knew it was probably dropping quickly. So I had like two fruit snacks, waited 10 minutes, tested again. I was like 100. So I knew I was going up and then I just hopped back in. Awesome. That sounds like a lot of fun. It is. If you ever have the chance to go surfing or weightboarding or kneeboarding or, you know, any of those like surfer sporty vibes, definitely go do it. It's so much fun. And it's an amazing experience. Awesome. So let's move on to talking about staying safe in the sun, because when you're outside with water, you're probably going to be doing it when it's warm out. In episode 38, we talked about how sunburns can influence blood sugar. Make sure when you're outside enjoying the good weather to wear a sunscreen. I know everybody says that. And also stay hydrated. I actually have to be super careful now to wear sunscreen, especially on my wrist, because I have a tattoo there. Tattoos can take a lot of sun damage if they're not protected. Also be careful about letting your pump or insulin pen or your vials get too hot. One time my family went to Wild Waves, which is a water park in Western Washington, and I had to store my insulin pump in one of the lockers so that it didn't get damaged when I was going down the water slides. I was really cognizant of how long I left it in that cubby because it was a metal cubby and it was in the sun, which meant the inside got a lot hotter than the outside temperature. 
It was okay though. But always check your insulin after being outside for a while and pay attention to your blood sugars over the next few hours if you can't see the color of your insulin inside your pump. On the old Medtronic pumps, the reservoir is visible along the side, but the tandem pumps, it's all enclosed, and so you can't see the insulin inside the cartridge. Is that the same for the 670G? So with the 670 series, it's completely enclosed. The only part you see from the pump is just the top of the tubing and the top of the cartridge. That's it. But other than that, it's all enclosed and it, the newer ones are more refined so they can withstand a little bit more heat than the older ones can. That's good to know. So we've talked about jacuzzis, hot tubs, open water. Let's talk about pools. So staying safe in pools is pretty similar to swimming in open water and that you should take regular breaks to check your blood sugar and you'll likely have to unhook your pump if it's not an Omnipod. No matter where you're going or what you're doing in the water, just make sure that you have your low snacks with you. That's always key. So my experience with all of this is, well, I'm going to start with my hot tub experience. My experience with hot tubs has been mixed. I can't wear my pump into a hot tub at all or a pool because it's not waterproof and it's not water resistant. It's filled with really sensitive electronics that would definitely short out if submerged, especially since it's the only touchscreen pump on the market. So when I was on the old Medtronic 512 through 723 pumps, those are the old ones, those were water resistant. And one of them even survived multiple submersions when I completely forgot about it while exploring some natural pools with my best friend in California. That was fun. I ended up, like I had it in my pocket and we went up and down and we got submerged the whole time. And I get down to the bottom and pull it out like, oh, I still have my pump on. It still works. (laughs) That was awesome. My most recent hot tub experience was not that great, to be honest. Uh, I was on a trip to Idaho with some friends to ski at Schweitzer Mountain, and the place we were staying at in Sandpoint had a hot tub. But my sensor had unfortunately cut out during the day on the slopes, and so when I put a new one on that night, it was only active for about an hour or two before I got in the hot tub. And the heat affects how well it, first of all, reads the blood sugars, and second of all, how well it connects with the pump or the receiver. So before getting in, my blood sugar was going down. And like we just talked about, heat can cause blood sugar to drop even more. So I had, I think, two rolls of Smarties. It's only 12 carbs. And then I unhooked my pump before getting in. But because so many things were off and not working right, I was only in the hot tub for about 10 minutes before I had to get out to check my pump, only to see that my blood sugar was skyrocketing with two arrows straight up. That was fun. I rehooked and I bolused, but then it turned out that my blood sugar was high for the rest of the night. And then my sensor cut out again in the middle of the night so that my husband, Tim, actually called to make sure I was okay because the sensor data was just all over the map all day. That was definitely a very weird experience with my sensor and hot tubs specifically. In my experience with swimming, I just take the pump off, leave it on the side of the pool and get in. And then I get out maybe every 20 to 40 minutes, depending on how long I'm actually in the water. What's your experience with hot tubs and swimming? Yeah, there's so many. (laughs) So this is just going to be more generalized because I actually live right next to a lake. So to go through all of my experiences with swimming in open bodies of water and also pools would just take way too long. So whenever I get the chance to go swimming, I make sure I have literally everything with me and then extras, including the glucagon shot as well, just in case. And I say this just in case because one time I went swimming in a lake and 
I felt really low and so I got out and I tested and I tested and it was a false reading which read 26. Now at that point I knew that that was false and that I probably should have dried my finger off a little bit more and eaten something all at the same time. So that's what I did. I dried my finger off. I was actually just like 76, probably going down. That's probably why I felt shaky a little bit. So I ate something, waited a couple minutes, and then went back in. But that got me thinking, what if I was 26? What if I did need to get somebody involved, like a lifeguard or somebody, and they needed to act? That way I would have all the supplies I would need and they needed to keep me safe. So for me, I really do have to take off my pump because it's not waterproof, although Medtronic does say that the 670G can be swimmed with up to 10 feet of water and still be functional. I don't do that. I don't really trust it that much just because this is the one pump that I have and everything's on it. So we take off the pumps. Always take off your pump before you go swimming. And just generally avoid getting it wet. Wrap it in a towel, you know, keep it safe from birds or whatever who could think it's some snack for them, but it's really not. But one of the other reasons that I don't like to wear my pump near or in water is because of other hardware problems that could go wrong, like a pump breaking, my patch falling off, and my pump slipping off of my bathing suit. You know, stuff like that where if something breaks on the pump, like the tubing or something, and my pump could end up, you know, 15 feet down from jumping off a boat or a dock. Even if the tubing comes loose, I could contaminate the rest of my insulin from swimming in a not so clean or germ-free lake. So stuff like that, just keep it out of the water in general. And that's what I do. But you also have to be careful of the way you're feeling too. So when I was surfing, like I mentioned earlier, I was in a wetsuit. So my body was really compressed in on itself. And honestly, I felt a little bit like a hot dog just being all compressed and squished together. But that was okay. I really didn't mind that until I started feeling low. And then I didn't feel low, but I knew something was wrong. And that's when the exhaustion hit was probably because my body was just like, something's wrong. It's been wrong for too long. Now we're just going to make you really tired. And then I tested and I was low. That was probably the, the compression masking the other symptoms of low before it actually was like, okay, we're just going to unleash, you know. Yeah, something extra. Exhaustion. Exactly. <laughs> that, and I kept thinking about it later. I was swimming in the ocean, the Pacific Ocean, and that's pretty cold. And I usually get cold and shaky when I'm low, like a cold sweat kind of thing. And I wasn't really feeling that because I was in the ocean and I couldn't feel anything at that point. So you just have to be extra super careful about how you're feeling. I've even gone up to 400 swimming before because I had some bad insulin and didn't really realize it. And then I went swimming and nothing absorbed. Even though I was exercising and freezing and, you know, doing all the things to get my blood sugar down, I still went high. So that's also something to look out for is to look out for your high symptoms as well. So when you said that you get cold and shaky when you're alone, mm -hmm. this is another example of how opposite we are in terms of our low symptoms. I get really hot and shaky. Really? Yeah. And I think most diabetics actually get warm and shaky because... It depends, to be honest. Like, 
you know when you're up in the mountains and you're like cold but you're like hot like skiing you know and you're sweating a little bit like from working out and like yeah. moving around it's kind of like that feeling where you're cold but hot okay a little bit and then for jacuzzis I really like to take my pump off as well but I can leave it on because my pump cord is long enough to that I can just leave it sitting right next to me so I can still get the insulin I need and my sensor will still read from to my pump I just you know if it's not long enough it's not long enough I don't push it and it's just disconnect it and just leave it sitting right next to you because in a jacuzzi you're not really swimming around you're just kind of sitting and talking with your friends so but yeah I don't have any like specific core memories of swimming in pools that much though just because we were always really careful with that type of thing because I was with my friends mostly at birthday parties and everything so I don't have any specifics with pools but that that's all my stories (laughs) okay well I I've been swimming since I was six months old so my mom and my dad both put me into swim classes when I was that young and it was like the little little baby ones where they just kind of float yeah, around. Me too. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So between six months and when I was nine, so between six months and nine, whenever I swam, it was with insulin on board from injections because I got my pump when I was right. nine. And so from then on, it was, okay, I got to unhook my pump, give it to my mom, get it to the water, careful, yeah. get out when I feel weird. But um, something you mentioned earlier reminded me of when we have camp and mm-hmm. we have swimming at camp. We have all of the kids take their pumps off if they're tubed and one of our friends ended up being like the pump queen and we had all of the pumps just hanging off of her I got a picture of it it was so good she would kill me if I shared it though at one point didn't we have like a tiara for her or something at like probably last day camp yeah yeah but for camp we take all of the kids pumps that are not omnipods and we put them into just a a big container for all the pumps and for all of the CGM receivers and it's great because when they all go off saying they're out of range or they're suspended, it's, it's fun. <laughs> oh gosh, I forgot about that. I can sometimes, so if you have a pump, you definitely get this when you're in a public setting and you think your pump goes off because you heard it go off, but it's actually somebody else's. That's another way to make a quick diabetic friend right there, by the way. <laughs> yeah, it's diabetics in the wild. We talked about that in another episode. Heck Yeah. All right. Our diabetes spotlight this week is on Gary Hall Jr., a United States Olympic swimmer who was diagnosed with type 1 diabetes in 1999, and he won gold at the 2000 and 2004 Olympics. His reaction to the diagnosis was, quote, utter despair, unquote. He said that you spend so much time dedicated to fine-tuning your body to be able to compete with the best athletes in the world, and to have your body fail you at a young age, it's scary. Hall was 24 at the time and had no family history of the disease. Training for the 2000 Olympics while enduring diabetes symptoms like blurred vision and crippling fatigue wasn't easy. It was baby steps from the very beginning, he says. We did it through trial and error. There weren't any books on how to win the Olympics with diabetes. Step one was to get through an entire swim practice, testing his blood sugar and injecting insulin whenever he needed it. By small increments, he gradually increased the length of his workouts. He said, This was something that wasn't new to me, testing the boundaries of human capacity. The disease certainly put a twist on that, but I was still interested in identifying what the limits are. He eventually worked out for up to eight hours a day, getting out of the water to check his glucose levels every 45 minutes. Gary is a member of JDRF and travels across the U.S. to speak at diabetes fundraisers and advocate for new therapies. 
He's also testified in front of Congress to highlight the need for greater resources in preventing and treating diabetes. Jesse, what is our question for this week? All right, our lovely audience. What are your experiences with swimming, hot tubs, and diabetes? What are some tips that you use to stay healthy while swimming in the water? Let us know in the comments or send us an email or send me a little DM on Instagram. That is it for this episode of This is Type 1. You can find the show notes at inspiredforward.com slash episode 45. That's the number 45. And if you have an idea for an upcoming episode, please leave us a comment or send an email. You can get straight to our podcast page by going to thisistype1.com. Our music is by Joseph McDade, and our audio wizard is my husband, Tim. This is the perfect time to learn how to manage your mind. If you're stressed, burned out, overwhelmed, want some help getting back on track and honoring your commitments to yourself, sign up for life coaching at inspiredforward.com coaching. I'm on all social media as at Inspired Forward, and our email is colleen at inspiredforward.com. And I'm on Instagram as at jj underscore crystal k-a-t. Please feel free to send me questions or comments you have about the show or about type 1 diabetes. Thank you so much for listening. If you like this episode, please share it with your friends, your family, and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts since that really helps other people find us. And be sure to listen in next week when we chat with Stacy Juba, an author whose daughter was diagnosed with type 1 diabetes and it turned her life upside down for a bit. Remember, you control your diabetes. It doesn't control you. Hey, if you like what you're listening to on this podcast, you have to join us in the Half Dead Pancreas Club. It's my private community where you'll connect face-to-face with other people with type 1 diabetes, get personalized emotional support, and learn how to handle anything T1D throws at you. Join us over at inspiredforward.com community. I can't wait to see you there.